So, Paul, did you enjoy your summer? Yeah, it's been great, actually. I've really enjoyed it. It feels like two minutes ago since we were um, watching the exit polls come in and recording the last Rankcast of the season. Yeah, I think the exit polls said, Rankcast, boo! <laughs> Those ones? Managed to put out a couple of summer specials. I've got, randomly got one of the summer specials still not put out, so I'll put that out at some point in the next week or two. Um, we can't really call it a summer special now. You'll, you'll have to call it a, an early autumn special yeah i don't know it's still summer i'm pretty sure but people were really um very positive about those those summer specials very big thanks to tom coast to adam mccola and to michael cox of zonal marking i have since talking to michael i've read his book the mixer and it is excellent that's one of the things that i did with my summer very good yeah uh did you watch any sport Football? Uh, yeah, I mean, I watched... What did I watch? I didn't watch the Confederations Cup. I didn't watch any of the women's football or the underage football. I watched two Man United pre-season games, I think, uh, and then the Super Cup. Right. I, I did watch some of the women's... Sorry, it's not, not quite finished, is it? Uh, and the various underage tournaments. I definitely saw some of those. Uh Oh, um, I won. Including England winning some tournaments. Amazing. Yeah, they did good, right? Um, but not too many United kids involved. Um, although when you were saying on Twitter, does this mean something? Uh, Nick from At Man United Youth kind of listed a bunch of reasons why actually, no, it's fine. Well, yeah. A, a couple who probably would have gone didn't go because of injuries and better stuff like that. And actually the bigger reason is that uh, uh, globalisation has infiltrated the academies as well. And United have players from all over the world. That's a bit of a Brexit terminology there, Ed, when you use the word infiltrate. Swarms of foreigners have infiltrated our good old Manchester-based lads and taken over, something like that. Um, so where do we start? Should we um, should we start with the pre-season and cover that a little bit and then talk about transfers? Yeah, I mean, pre-season, I think Jose will feel pretty positive about pre-season. So he got the longer tour that he wanted, or more games. Um, I think we talked a lot on this this uh, here podcast uh, this time last season, talked about United being a little undercooked. Well, um, it was a disaster, wasn't it, pre-season yeah. last time around? Yeah, weather impacted games, didn't have enough time for training, not good training facilities. So they go to the States completely different, of course, world-class um, stadiums, world-class training facilities, lots of commercial stuff as well, 15,000 air miles or so, crisscrossing the United States. But, um, yeah, yeah, the preparation from a football point of view, much, much better. I think everyone's used to doing the, the shilling of various products um, and and some pretty positive performances. I mean, I, I guess at this stage he's not really looking at results, is he? But he's looking to get as many minutes into his key players and test out some formations. And he certainly did that. I mean, um, to the point of tinkering, I'd say, with with tactics. He's, he's played 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, 3-4-3, um, uh, sort of three more traditional 3-5-2 through, through the summer, uh, everything in between, really. Um, but all his key players have got, Quite a lot of minutes. He's tended to do it half by half, hasn't he? A half of uh, three at the back and a half at four at the back. Um, with with a yeah, and I think it's totally understandable. The only thing I thought was a bit curious was his uh, total refusal to play Baye and Lindelof together, um, which he explained uh, because uh, Baye was out of the Super Cup. Although he's missed that game, and there's going to be a month until he misses another game. So 
bit odd. That yeah, one. I, I I agree. It's it, you know Mourinho clearly thinks about centre backs as pairings, doesn't he? We saw this last season when um, when Rocco was injured, he changed both defenders. I seem to remember. You know, there's that you kind of think about central defenders as being sort of interchangeable, but he definitely seems to have pairs that he trains together, or now triumvirates that he changed changes together because when when do you think we will play three at the back this season because because my my kind of initial thought was maybe he's doing it because actually it could be a really neat way to break down teams that come and sit really deep against us no I don't think he does that at all I mean look maybe maybe I'm wrong about that um uh, but uh, I, I I don't see any evidence that he's ever done that that would be pushing three very very high and wide that that force um, force uh, the the back four of the opposition or back six or whatever it is to to get stretched. Um, he doesn't do that. Um, he still has his wide players coming back in a in a three four three or three five two system. Um, so basically, he does it for defensive security, as far as I can tell. And he's tended to pair that with going quite direct. I mean, not lumping it route one, but going quite direct, bypassing midfield. And um, so, I, yeah, I think he does it for defensive security, personally, more than any kind of um, attacking flexibility or whatever. It's very different uh, to the way that... Um, uh, most clubs on the continent play a 3-4-3, three, three. although I'd say more similar to Chelsea. Chelsea are very, very secure defensively first, and then they're a good attacking I team. I mean, yeah, because the, the the thing is, it's it's like, for me, that that's more... What I was talking about was more um, more the use of a 3-5-2 than a 3-4-3. Three, three. So one of the ways that you can get at teams that will play really deep lying against you is by playing two centre-forwards who offer a different kind of threat. So if he plays three five two with Rashford and Lukaku as a pair, for example, that could be potentially really interesting when you're trying to break down stubborn teams at Old Trafford, just to have that in the locker. Yeah, but maybe. I, it's theorising that one, isn't it? Because oh, yeah. we haven't really yeah. seen it over the summer. No, and and against, um, against Real Madrid, he definitely didn't do that. I mean, no. Lukaku was up there on his own until Fellaini like, went up front. I feel like we shouldn't really read much into that Madrid game about how the season's going to go, except for, like, what, four games of the season or whatever. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. You started this section by saying, how do you think he'll use the three at the back? I think that's how he'll use the three at the back. I think against teams he thinks that United are not as good as. And he said it He said it after the Barcelona game. He said, some teams have superior players to us. Uh, we have to mitigate that with tactics. Um, now, you could say there's nobody in the Premier League as good as Real Madrid. That's true. There's probably no one in the Premier League as good as Barcelona either. Um, but uh, he pulled this tactic out of the bag against teams um, as mighty as you know. Who, who did he do it against? Bournemouth, I think it was one of them. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong there, but you know, not necessarily only the best team. So I think where he feels United are not quite up to par, he'll pull this tactic out. Maybe against the the presumptive top four um, and challenges. For me, it's a little bit negative and I find it a little bit frustrating. So, you know, you had a game yesterday where, um, uh, I guess we'll go into the Super Cup a bit more, but a game yesterday where basically he sacrificed Martial and Mata, two teams that, you know, uh, two players who are both our cre- most creative player and uh, potentially our most talented attacking player, potentially, I say, um, for a sort of a defensive solidity and trying to hit on the break uh, and use the power of Lukaku. Okay, in certain games, so I'd, I'd hate for United to play that too often 
I, I, and, you know, not to just be randomly optimistic, but I would be slightly surprised if we play that way too often this season. But, of course, I won't be surprised at all when we play that way in the big games. Yeah, but it's about confidence, isn't it? So I, I, I had in my mind that if he got the central defensive player he wanted, he got Matic, the defensive midfielder he wanted, he would feel a little more solid or confident in his back line and then give the freedom to the attackers or to the shape to 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 push forward and, and be a bit more expressive. I don't know. I get this sense that he's not going to do that, which would be a real shame. And I don't know that United can win the Premier League without scoring another 30 if, goals. If you take the Super Cup, though, as your evidence, you have to remember that Jones and Bailly, who might be in his thoughts if he plays back three as two of the three, um, were suspended and Rocco is injured. So, like, the the that kind of, oh, well, if he gets the right defensive players, he'll have confidence that the right defensive players might be in the squad but not available for that game. So and did he might... against Real and, and Barca in the, in the pre-season as well? Um, and again, I guess you could say they're, they're better teams than United, although if you use a pre-season season friendly to play defensive football, it's um, a little odd. Uh, well, except, I mean, I mean the... the the flip side of it is it's practice, isn't it? That's what it, he considers those games to be elaborate training games with really good opposition, doesn't he? That's that's what he said all through the, the summer. We'll, we'll come to predictions. I mean, my, my sense is that United cannot get anywhere near the title without scoring a lot more goals. Oh, well, talking of scoring a lot more goals, uh, let's talk about transfers because um, there's a player who arrived for a lot of money who no one was expecting. So we did the transfer special, me and Tom Coast of Sport Witness, like a person who uh, follows United transfers literally as closely as any other human in the world because uh, it's his job to do so. Um, uh, we talked for an hour and I think Lukaku got one sentence and within a fortnight he was a Man United player because Agent Pogba had uh, helped him trick everyone. Now, the thing that I've not understood at any point is why this was seen as a kind of stroke of genius to keep the the transfer secret from uh, Madrid or for, from Chelsea or whatever. I mean, maybe it made Chelsea scramble a bit, but they've got Morata instead. So uh, what do you think of the Lukaku transfer, how it went down, all that kind of stuff? Well, maybe Edward Woods learned something. I mean, he's learned two things over his time as uh, executive vice chairman. Uh, one, uh, he's learned to uh, just trust in the agents and pay them millions and millions of pounds because he can't do that job himself. Not well connected enough, doesn't seem to be able to pull off the big deals on his own. Um, so it's a very expensive way of hiring a temporary director of football. Very, very expensive way of doing it. That's one thing. Uh, two, um, Woodward loves the chat to the media, doesn't he? So he's normally bragging about how much money United have got and how big we're going to spend, and he didn't do it. Maybe maybe he's learned a lesson there. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. But so do you think that he did good business with Lukaku? Do you think it was smart the way it was done, kept secret and all that? Apparently, Madrid were really highballing United on Morata because they didn't think they had any alternatives. Um, people were going, ah, ha, ha, see what you get, Madrid. And I didn't really quite understand why why that was bad for Madrid, because they've sold Morata for a fortune somewhere else instead. Well, they, they sold a reserve for £60 million, uh, which is a pretty good business, to be fair. Um, yeah, maybe maybe it was smart. Who knows? I mean, who knows how long... Well, it seems United have worked the Lukaku channel for a long time and have a reasonable relationship with Everton anyway, which, which Chelsea don't, given that they offended the Everton hierarchy with uh, multiple bids for John Stones a couple of years ago, which, which Jose uh, led on, by the way. Um, so, yeah, maybe it was 
maybe it was great business. Who knows? I mean, what what is actually going to matter is um, how many goals Lukaku scores. Because, I mean, he's phenomenally expensive. It's only five million up front and, and potential for a fair amount more. Although... If United end up paying the bonuses for winning the Champions League and stuff, I guess that all uh, that'll be all right. Yeah, and that's not phenomenally expensive. I mean, it's a phenomenally large amount of human money, but uh, it's 2017. 75 million pounds is like an expensive transfer, not a phenomenally expensive one. The uh, expectations of the market thoroughly reset this summer. Have we got time to do a little detour and talk about Neymar for a second? Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, a, a player that United has been uh, hard pursuing for two years and offering huge amounts of money, and apparently then backed out. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there, there were two stories that came out. Miguel Delaney did a really interesting kind of step by step breakdown of why. One was that Woodward was kind of uh, very gun shy about being used as a bargaining chip, which is also had what had happened earlier in the summer when Ronaldo had been like fluttering his expensively manicured eyelashes at us. Can you manicure eyelashes? Expensively curated eyelashes. Um, so there was that. And then there was the, the fact that the Glazers are in place. So although United are spending large levels, they're not necessarily in a position or willing to spend £200 million on one player uh, in, in that way. But I mean, I, I think... Certainly, like for me, it was a shock when it ended up happening. All the way through this, you thought the end of this story was going to be Neymar stays at Barcelona on a massively improved contract or whatever, right? Yeah, that would have been the uh, the usual outcome, wouldn't it? Uh, and not this time. I mean, I, I think um, it's a shock. I suppose there's some excitement, a lot of chatter in the papers about it. I, I have to say, I tend to agree with the president of, of La Liga, who who basically he said this is doping. This is as bad as doping because what you've got is a sovereign wealth fund, a state-funded club, spending money which, in sovereign terms, is nothing. It's it's pocket change. It's a rounding error. It doesn't mean anything um, when there's trillions of dollars worth of oil sunk in the ground. So, um, and and you know, it's every bit as distorting as as you know, jabbing a needle into your testicles and pumping some testosterone in. You know, it's not that they actually do that. But I was just going to say that does not sound like the most medically effective way of doing that. Just you know, it seemed like a nice visceral imagery. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's outright cheating. It's the whole point of FFP was to stop this, except that, you know, PSG uh, on their books show the highest commercial income of any club on the planet. PSG, who are like 40 years old, fans who can't be bothered to turn up um, to what is essentially still a regional club, even if it's in Paris. And uh, and suddenly they're the, uh, the most uh, commercially... Um, you know, savvy club on the planet. Except, of course, all their sponsors begin with a Q. Um, and if those aren't related payments, I don't know what are, you know. So, you know, clearly um, clearly the uh, the owners have just said, fuck you to UEFA. Uh, big middle finger gone up, said, try taking this to court. Um, and I think FFP is dead. Um, but it's, it's going to be extremely distorting. I mean, it's definitely distorting at the top end. I mean, just evidence on this pod, you said, ah, 75 million's not expensive anymore. You know, it's it's definitely distorting. I don't know how far that will trickle down. I mean, FFP's had a very big effect on reducing losses over the last four years from 2 billion a season to like 300 million or something, right? So 
very, very big effect. Um, it, you know, revenues have been going up much higher than spending, um, uh, but maybe that stops now as a result. Because there's an arms race, right? Football is a classic arms race. And the interesting thing about it is the the Lukaku transfer, seventy five million. Like the my perception of that being because essentially my whole operating model this summer has been half the amount and see if that makes sense. And if that makes sense, it's probably about right for this current market. Like our collective understanding of what footballers are worth. If you just if you just blanket half it. You, you kind of get to, like, not a reasonable rate, but what you would have expected two seasons ago, three seasons ago. Do you remember talking about, oh, my goodness, 26 million for Robin Van Persie? It's a lot of money for a 28-year-old or whatever. Like, imagine that now. We've just spent 50 million on a 28... He was 28, 29 minus one day when we signed him. So a 28-year-old yeah. uh, defensive midfielder. So everything's crazy now. Well, I mean, it's it's not because he just follows the money. Uh, so yeah, exactly. um, I, I think there's a very different... So, you know, broadcasting commercial income rising because, you know, all boats are floating uh, in the sort of global market. That's because globalisation... Um, and and countries like China and India and uh, the, even the states coming online to to being part of the global game that's you know increase the level of sponsorship and exposure globally right um, and then a massive broadcast deal from from Sky and BT because of the particular dynamics of the UK broadcast and or cable market. So given there's not a lot of competition, um, so they're fighting on content, which is basically a commodity. Um, so, you know, you've got some very you know, particular dynamics, um, increasing revenues for clubs and almost always wages and, and transfer fees go just in line with that. Right? It's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, R squared of 0.999 something. Um, so, so it's not a crazy market. It's just following the money. Neymar's completely different. It's got nothing to do with broadcast deals or commercial income or anything like that. I mean, only insofar as uh, PSG are going to try and fob off the world with, hey, look how much commercial uh, income we're making, you know, and it's nonsense. So I, I watched some of the, the launch of Neymar um, and and the um, and the chairman's going, ah, it's already put 500 million on the value of the club. Bollocks has it, bollocks has it, you know, total nonsense. And they'll never make that back from shirt uh, sales because clubs don't make any money from shirt sales anyway. It's not pretty much all fixed price contracts these days. Um, PSG are not a big global name. He'll help some, but actually he'll help himself mostly um, because of his brand. So, um, you know, it, it's this is about soft global power for the Qataris. This is about saying um, in a way that's not just them, you know, the country saying how wonderful we are, saying, hey, look, we're associated with a successful player in this successful club um, at a time when Qatar is being accused of sponsoring state-funded terrorism uh, for um, some, you know, interesting regional geopolitical reasons, not just because they do sponsor state-funded terrorism. Um, so, yeah, all about soft power and, and completely distorting. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, 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 I read a really interesting uh, counterpoint, which I'm, I'm not sure I uh, agree with, but it was written um, in... Uh, by a guy called Aishan Shah, who's an Im image rights commercial advisor to professional footballers for cityam.com. Uh, it was a really interesting analysis of Neymar's penetration into new media markets um, and uh, his 
position to uh, protect against the inevitable kind of collapse of broadcasting, the broadcasting bubble, which is clearly going to happen next time around because, you know, the viewing figures are hugely down and all that kind of stuff. But, of course, the fundamentals of this transfer are about soft global power. Romelu Lukaku was not signed uh, on the basis of soft global power. He was signed uh, on the basis of lots of goal power. Um, He scores a lot of goals all the time. Romelu Lukaku does. Yeah. And well, he's got a lot of power. He's a big unit. He's a big unit. Um, he's he's going to miss a few, but he's... Um, I I, uh, I don't know if I, Gary Lineker characterised him as a player who will score a load and miss a load. I'm not sure that's true, actually. If you look at his, his conversion rate, it was doubles Latin. Yeah, yeah. It was... If he gets as many chances as Latin, then he's going to score a hell of a lot of goals for United. He won't because he he's he's not he doesn't tend to shoot from every possible angle or distance <laughs> in the way that Zlatan did. So that's a little distorting. But I think he'll score plenty of goals for United. He'll probably get thirty this season, assuming he stays fit and he's got a very good injury record. Um, and uh, he, you know he's, he's clearly he can change the way United play. Uh, couldn't have played direct in the same way um, as United tried to against Real Madrid, for example. Um, you know, he's got lots and lots of pace, likes the ball in front of him. Um, he's getting better. He's OK um, with the ball into his feet. He's definitely not as good as Latan, uh, but is, that's not why United bought yeah, him. Yeah, and who is as good as Latan with the ball into his feet? Like, isn't isn't there an argument today that no one's literally, literally no one's ever been as good as, as, Lat- as Latan at that? Well, I would argue that Dimitar Berbatov was probably <laughs> an equal. Didn't score as many goals. No, because once the ball was at his foot, feet, it was maybe a tad easier to get the ball off him than it was Latan. Well, that's because he wanted to stroll around, <laughs> smoke as you can, <laughs> make love to a beautiful he's woman. He's living his best then... life. I don't know why you've made him French, though. <laughs> I don't know. He sort of seems Just... French, doesn't he? Because in my mind, he should be. Yeah, he's be. got a very French energy. Um, uh, I was trying to think of a direct link, talking of players with French energy. Uh, Victor Lindelof looks like he could have been a French film star in, during the, the new wave, like he could have been in a Truffaut film. Uh, Victor Lindelof has attracted a great deal of criticism uh, in pre-season. Um, uh, Alan Pardew was like saying, oh, see, he hasn't seen what it's like in the Premier League. Like, you don't know what he's going to be like in the Premier League as if he'd played in the Premier League so far, which obviously hasn't. Um, I, I guess that's going to be a good signing. You've got to trust Mourinho buying centre-backs, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's true to say that he's had some difficult moments. Um, and, uh, you know, the... the, the, uh, the um, the need to extrapolate from a difficult moment to uh, a sort of career analysis uh, seems to be strong these days. You know, it's the kind of immediacy of those little vines and, and whatever, or not even vines anymore, you know, um, social media sharing and analysis based around events, not patterns and strategies. So um, I, I think some of the criticism is a bit over the top. But of course, you know, he's he's barely played any real football for United. Um, I think uh, everyone was pleased when they bought him. He's he's uh, he's had a great couple of seasons with Benfica. He's very very comfortable on the ball. A few loose moments, but we had a couple from Bailly, and then he very quickly settled in. So, yeah, not panicking yet. I'd like to see Bailly and him playing you know, together uh, because, like Tweedledum and Tweedledee, you know, Phil Jones and Chris Smalling is clearly no longer the solution. Although 
to be fair to Jones, he actually had a good summer. I'm just waiting for him to get crocked. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. Like, Phil Jones doesn't belong in the conversation with Chris Smalling. The only reason people put them both in the same conversation is because they've played next to each other so often and they're both about the same age and English. But Phil Jones is all... Like, he's just really good. He's just injured all the time. He had that one ropey season under Van Hartel, but, you know, who that whoever thought it was a good match, Van Hartel and Phil Jones, no one, you know... Um, so anyway, um, like he just doesn't, he's neither Tweedledum nor Tweedledee. He's a different character in that thing. I can only... So, um, I mean, he's made a comeback on the football field, at least, you know, this summer. And, and look, at times last season, he actually had a very good season yep. as well, didn't he? Especially in that period in the autumn when he was playing with Marcus Rocco. But he has lost his mantra of king of the Gurn, hasn't he, to uh, Maran Fellaini, who's... Yeah. Uh, Who's pulled off one of the photos of the season, of any season? I mean, you know, he didn't take the photo, but uh, uh, I'm sure all listeners have seen it. Um, Remarkable facial contortions going on. The the, the difference is, you see, this is why Phil Jones will never lose his status as King of the Gurn, because Phil Jones's facial expressions are self-inflicted, but that Fellaini one was clearly the result of the impact of the ball on his face. So it's it's a slightly different, you know... It's a, it's a different subgenre of ridiculous footballing photos. Um, the uh, true, whereas Carlos Tevez's gurning is is the result of him falling out of the ugly tree and hitting every branch on yes, the way down. The ever hilarious subject of childhood facial deformity, yet um, caused by accidents as a child. Um, the uh, the thing with. Uh, Victor Lindelof is another Man United central defender who had a ropey start. Nemanja Vidic, mate. Nemanja, remember Nemanja Vidic's first like three or four games for United? Absolutely all over the shop. So if Lindelof turns into three quarters of the player, Vidic was will be all right. Yeah, I'd like him to be better than that. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, and, you know, I come back to the point I made earlier. I think Jose really needs this. And I think United really need it. And not from the defensive point of view. Actually didn't concede that many goals in the Premier League last season. It's from the attacking point of view. I I am sure that United need to defend to attack in, in Jose's mind. Um, and it's really important. You cannot win a Premier League on 54 goals. Um, you, you can't get anywhere near the Champions League on 54 goals unless United concede like 12 or something which rarely rarely happens um well with a with a view to that with another player that's not a defender but is a clearly a, a signing in order to defend to attack is Nemanja Matic and uh, he's a player who's played what a game and a half for United so far and looks a looks a very astute signing a round peg in a round hole in yeah. Manchester United central midfield I know, whatever I mean, next he, he's bought for a role and he's going to play very well and you know he, look, he's a very accomplished player and um I, I think there's um there's some sense of anticlimax with Matic because he's a water carrier and water carriers very rarely excite people and there are a couple of others um, on the continent in Fabinho and, and domestically in Kante who are a bit more dynamic than Matic. All right, fanboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the worst luck there. Um, uh, but um, but I think he'll do a very good job 
uh, for United, Matic. He's he's not that dynamic, he, uh, but there are other players who can who can pr- provide that role for for United. What he does have is he's great control in tight spaces. He's very very accomplished with players around him. He doesn't panic, um, which is important in terms of ball retention. The complete opposite of Maran Fellaini playing there. Um, a very good shot on him, as we saw in the Super Cup, um, and a good range of passing. He's not Karakesk in his passing, but he's good. You know, and so he's a solid player for United. Um, the right, you know, the right type of player, the uh, role we needed to fill. Um, and you know, he's experienced, so he's going to hit the ground running. Uh, that's good. He's definitely expensive um, because you know he's thirty-five million, rising to forty million, likely forty million. Um, and you can say, well, in this market, not that bad. But he's he's twenty-nine. He's going to be thirty this time next year, and they've only signed him on a three-year contract. So you know, round it out at at cost per season, and it's you know it's thirteen million a season, which is quite high. Um, but I guess it's it's a role that United really needed. And we'll see how it affects Chelsea. I mean, he played thirty Premier League games last season, and I'm not you know Bakayoko's a lot younger for the same money, which is why they, they in a sense got a better deal. But I'm I'm not convinced by Bakayoko. So you know, I think we all saw him quite a lot in Monaco. Not sure he's at the same level as his partner, which all the fanboys like. <laughs> um, yeah, and Conte's been talking about um, Matic all day. Sounds broken-hearted about it. Like, seems genuine. Obviously, they have N'Golo Kante, who can can you could you could change your system and play with just one holding, couldn't you? Because um, you play Kante and Matic, that's a very that's very defensive-minded, isn't it? So you you could potentially play a, a more a more kind of progressive system for them. But you know, I'm I'm really happy that we've signed Matic. I, you know, I definitely fell into the same camp as most people, I guess, which is hard to get excited about signing like that until I can't even remember where I heard it. I think it was um, it was someone on Full Time Devils when I was doing something with them over the summer said, uh, Mourinho has spent a year with United squad and has previously spent two years with Nemanja Matic, and, or three even, and thinks that one is a good fit for the other. So that's probably good enough, isn't it? And, and yeah, that, that, that seems to... Yeah, or, or it's a route one transfer. You know, it's just uh, easier signing who you know than, than necessarily finding the best player. Look, he's... Um... If you if you compare him to a lot of... Um, well, it's just easier, right? But you I, also, I don't... You, you have... You have you have way more knowledge of the player, right? That's sure. Yeah, I mean, with scouting networks, you you know can probably probably be more imaginative than that in a general sense. I mean, you know, not not specifically about Matic. The, the one thing I say is actually when you compare his stats against a lot of his peers, he d- he's not outstanding in any area. He creates quite a lot of chances, um, which is unusual for a player of his defensive bent um i'd say but he's not going to get a lot of assists uh, necessarily i mean we'll see he, you know he got uh, loads of assists last season yeah. but he was only he created like 0.7 key passes per 90 which is way way below any of united's creators and he just just got lucky with how many of them were turned into goals i think and he doesn't score a lot of goals and you know he makes a good number of interceptions but it's not outstanding defensive contributions are middling but as the, well so the, you know the, i'm just saying like from a from a stats point of view he's not he's not the greatest defensive midfielder that has ever lived but he's a good player his combined his combined tackles and interceptions is big though like his his winning the ball back numbers are they are big numbers like i guess you would expect that in a player who plays in his position, but they, they certainly compare reasonably well with the rest of the division. Like they definitely, like, his combined assists and tackles was better than Herrera's last season, who was playing that role for us. So, you know, 
Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating. Like, like you say, it's not not a super exciting transfer, but it you know might end up being the most important one. R- remember what Zidane said about Real Madrid selling Makalele, right? Yeah, that yeah, he, yeah. Um, hmm. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see whether it's the most important one or not. Um, and then I guess the fourth one, which uh, hasn't happened, is. Uh, uh, Perisic, um, it looks like it's not going to happen. It, I guess this would be even more underwhelming for a lot of people. I mean, for for two reasons. One is, you know, he's um he's a little bit of a one trick pony. He's on the outside and put a ball in, which he does fantastically well. He gets good numbers, but not great numbers on goals and assists. I mean, look at his career record. It's it's not outstanding by any means. It's sort of nanny esque. I'd say. Yeah. Um, well, it's not, no, it's not Nani-esque. It's nowhere near Nani-esque. Yeah, like, well. Nani's peaks are a lot higher than Paris. That's true. Um, so you, you're kind of like, ah, squad player, yeah. But, I mean, if he's, and this is the, the second part of the kind of underwhelming nature of that potential transfer, if he'd replace Martial in the side... Um, that, I'm getting the plane banners out, Ed. Yeah, I know. Like, it'd be hugely disappointing because Martial is like, so much more talented and I know he has his problems and Mourinho has his problems with him um, but there was just a little spark in the summer you know some moments where you felt I mean actually I think when he came on he played pretty well you know some moments of loose play um, as you might expect from a 21 year old uh, also the clearly all the most breathtaking moments of pre-season I mean, he danced around 400 players to set up a goal for Rashford Lingard can't remember which no Lingard wasn't it mm, Rashford mm, Ling- yeah no Lingard, Lingard, Lingard yeah, yeah. Um, that was pretty special uh, I mean, he's just got so much. Um, I actually, I mean, I, I would still contend that he's a natural number nine, not a natural number 11. Um, but uh, I'd much rather see him there and develop uh, than bring in a sort of middle ranking sort of meh uh, player who who may well do very well in terms of like putting the ball in for the big unit up front to put it in, like as, as Antonio Valencia did for that one season. Um, so I, I guess it'd just be, it'd be a little, it'd feel a little underwhelming. No, I mean I really agree. The only bit of like the, the way I would spin it to myself if it happened was, well, we kind of need someone to go around the outside as well, as opposed There's to like no massively... natural width in the squad, so you can understand why you might want some. Um, the it's just the consequences. Yeah, I, I mean I, I agree. The, the the Martial thing is particularly significant, isn't it? Because. Losing Martial would seem, it just seem, would seem such a waste, you know? Never mind losing him, but even just, like, hampering his development, it's just, we, it's just not what we want, is it? It is not. No. Uh, I guess we need to talk about players out as well. This is to announce that this is the last episode of the Rankcast because uh, mission accomplished. The agenda has fulfilled its ultimate destiny, so we don't need to exist as a podcast anymore. Yeah, I've always hated on Cameron Borthwick Jackson, and he's gone. <laughs> yes. Uh, love CBJ. He's gone to Leeds. Ooh. We've loaned a player to Leeds. Dirty what is Leeds. wrong with Man United? I, I hope. Um... Just, just to round out that conversation, I hope he has a better season because he had a tough time at Wolves. Uh, his attitude was questioned. I just don't, I don't get that. I think it's just because he's laid back. I mean, you know, you've seen that video of him when uh, the bus was being attacked and he's like just chilling out. <laughs> he's like, whatever. yeah, whatever. I think I'm CBJ, pal. Yeah, I'm unrattleable. Exactly. I think he's uh, he's uh, he's just a bit casual, you know. So uh, that was a shame. And and look, he was brought in one by seriously uh, Wolves. He's brought in um, uh, for Kenny Jacket, and then. Uh, 
the manager got sacked with a new ownership and, and that probably had a, a bad impact. So I hope he gets a full season because he's certainly a talented player. I don't know whether he'll ever make it at United, but he needs it for his own yeah. career. And a player who still could definitely make it at United, whose loan feels much less like, a, right, well, this is just what we have to do next. Um, but is actually feels like it could be part of a development plan. Uh Timothy Fosumenso yeah. would not have got enough game time at United and he's gone to a Premier League team with a Dutch coach um, who played nice football. Wilf Zaha can put his arm around his shoulder. It'll all be fine. I'm, do I sound like I'm trying to convince myself? <laughs> I'm trying to convince myself. Um, I'm hoping it'll all be fine because I love Timothy Fosumenso. Yeah, I kind of think he could have played quite a role for United this season, but he didn't really last season. So um, I guess Mourinho, like, you know, just thinks he's not close enough to the first team and that he could do with that time. It's, it's set up perfectly. I mean, he's playing at the sort of right level championship. He's too good for the championship. Um, so it's, you know, uh, middle, middle ranked Premier League club, a manager who knows him well from his youth uh, uh, time. Uh, Ajax and... Uh, Hope it works out for him. It should do. You know, he's he's got all the tools in the locker to to really make it. You'd think he'd be part of their first eleven, and then like Crystal Palace feels like a very fun first eleven to potentially be part of if you're at Timothy Fosumensa's uh, level. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, a player. I'm kind. In a way, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gone out again. Is Andres Pereira? Because I just don't think. He, I mean, he's he had a good tour. He wasn't spectacular, but he he didn't look out of place, did he? Um, uh, for the sort of seven games or the number, of, however many featured in, he he did all right. Uh, he's, but I don't think he's going to get near the first team much. I mean, he might do because we don't have very much cover in midfield, and and assuming against teams other than you know Real Madrid, Fellaini won't always be the go-to option for attacking changes. I mean, who knows what what, what level of ridiculous optimism that is? Uh, but a Pereira, Pogba, Matic midfield could do some exciting and dangerous things to opposition teams. Could be very exciting. Ah, oh, God, Fellaini had to mention him. He still hasn't gone, has he? Still. He, he hasn't. And nor, he, like the, <laughs> this is a terrible thing to admit. The worst day of the summer for me, by miles, was when Mourinho came out after whatever game it was and was like, it's easier for Galatasaray to get me than it is to get Fellaini. And I was like, we were so close. We nearly got rid of them both in the same summer. I just, I just don't get it. I mean, look, I get that um, he causes problems for the opposition, right? You know, he wins a hell of a lot of aerial duels uh, and, you know, in attacking areas, he can be dangerous. Very Didn't score so. a lot of and goals he... last season, mind you, for someone who apparently is so dangerous. Uh, but he creates a good number of chances, knockdowns and, and the like. But that's the only, he's like a, I think I call him a special teams player. That, that's yeah, it, you know, it's exactly one right. thing. Um and the, the reason why I don't want him anywhere near the team is because a lot of the time he plays at number eight or number four or number six or whatever, right? Not, and, not and that, that often under Mourinho. But like Mourinho mostly it uses him. It's awful when it, it is. It is, but Mourinho mostly uses him as plan F, right? That is that is the that is what he mostly uses him for is to come on and basically play centre forward. Now, you know, um, he played number ten in the Europa League final, I guess technically, but you know, against Real Madrid, he was just playing up front with Lukaku, um, and it did cause them all sorts of problems. And he, like you say, he's a special teams player, but since he's not going anywhere, I'm fully committed to a hundred percent getting behind the lad. You know, um, although. Let's face it, he's just not very good. And talking... Oh, you cannot be serious. What? Sorry, it was a joke about his headwear yesterday. <laughs> that, that's a lot of leaps 
to take it all in one go. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I, look, I had faith that you'd get it. <laughs> okay, I thought, right. ah, the cogs were work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, listen, talking of players who used to play for Everton and aren't very good. Uh, we, Tom we, Cleverley. We waxed, no, we we've re-signed him. He's gone, gone to Watford on a permanent deal. We've got, we've, um, we waxed lyrical about how amazing Wayne Rooney's Man United career was at the last episode of the podcast. We've frequently been wrongly accused of hating on the player. Um, but this is definitely a case where it's about hating the game, not the player, like as in the player's ability to play the game. Uh, but he's gone and he's someone else's problem. And honestly... It's such a relief. Like, I know people are, a lot of people are kind of emotional about Rooney leaving because he's a big part of it. It's their childhood and their relationship with United. And obviously he was a, an amazing servant to United for many, many years. One of the most important players in the club's history. But just forget all that for a second. Do you really want 2017 Wayne Rooney anywhere near Man United? Because I'm, I Definitely don't. You only need to see the five-second clip of him falling over the ball while trying to score for Everton to to say, <laughs> to say no, this, I don't want him anywhere near United. No. It's literally less than 20 minutes since you said you shouldn't extrapolate five-second social media clips. Very, very true. Fortunately, I have the weight of the last four years of evidence to back up my extrapolation. <laughs> the regression is strong here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, no, yeah, it's a relief yeah. that he's gone. We don't have to talk about him anymore. Uh, he was, you know, he was clearly shot. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, it'd be interesting to watch him from afar and see whether... Um, he he manages to have a half decent season at Everton, not a total disaster. They seem to be playing him up front, which would be uh, rather interesting. I wonder how long that will last. Not very, I suggest. No, uh, we won't we won't bang on about this because we kind of were pretty clear he was leaving, and so we banged on about him a lot in the last episode of last uh, season. But yeah, uh, a, a very sensible transfer, and I think ultimately it's quite nice that we sent him out on a free transfer too, because you know he definitely earned a free transfer. Although it was only 300 grand a week for a lot of that time. So maybe, maybe not. But anyway, that's fine. People will uh, round that into the Lukaku deal, won't they? Mm, yeah, they do. I mean, look, there's one analysis that said he'd been stealing a living at United for the last three years. So, hmm. Could have got some of that back. Yeah. But we didn't. And he's gone. And he's Ronald Koeman's problem now. Um, who Has anyone else gone? None. A lot of the players that we thought would go haven't gone. Um, your, your Chris Smallings, uh, for example... Uh, your Matteo Damians, maybe your Daily Blints, all, all still in situ. And I wonder whether one more won't leave before the end of the summer, and whether one more won't come in. That that'd probably be my my guess at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I, nothing's really changed uh, with any of those players you mentioned. You know, Smalling has not looked good in the summer. Blint had an awful summer. I mean, you know, people picked on Lindelof, but Blint was terrible in almost every game he played for United this summer. Um, Just to be clear, this is the new agenda, right? No, no, it's, the, it's, it's not. No, I already told you what my agenda is. Oh, we have to shout out at this point to the official Bahraini Manchester United that's supporters. That's right. That's right. Who uh, who came uh, to the, the Rankhouse meetup? Yeah, it was uh, a yeah. in, very international meetup, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so cool. Thank you so much to everyone that came. Uh, it was just really a, a great deal of fun, and we'll, we'll definitely do another one uh, at some point. Yeah, yeah. We'll, no, we will, and we'll uh, 
we'll plan it better, you know, things like sending an invite out and having a page where you have all the information on it, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> the, uh, at that meetup, Ed revealed who his agenda this season is going to be against. It was a wildly unpopular choice. We'll watch and see as this plays out over the duration, shall we? Mm. Um, other players who've left, uh, Adnan Yanazai. We, oh, we hadn't mentioned. Yeah. Oh, wow. Talk about forgetting a yeah. player. Like... We had a bit of a, a, bit of a you know, a, a heated debate over WhatsApp over this one because I, I have to say I'm disappointed in that. Look, I guess from the, from the sense that he hasn't really delivered anything for United for three years, it makes sense to sell him on. Um, from a point of view of, you know, the player's talent and the inability of successive coaches to extract that, except for David Moyes. Um, uh, is just hugely disappointed and, you know, disappointing. And I guess most of the player, most of the blame lies with the player. But some does lie with the club as well. I think somehow you've got to say, when you've got a player that good who has performed very well for a season, something's gone wrong uh, for, for, then, for you to then sell him to a mid to low ranked Spanish club for £8 million in this market. I mean... You know, you could flog a third division player for eight million pounds in this market. Yeah, that is almost that is just analogous to a free transfer, really. It's like an admin fee at this point, isn't it? Eight million pounds. Um Yeah. It's it's like buying a couple of tickets for gigs and that, that's what they add on for the, the processing and postage. I mean our our heated argument was Essentially, essentially, I was just a bit put out, Ed, because I was just like, I just shared an interesting piece of information, and you were like, "Yeah, but da, 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 da. I, was like, I wasn't, I wasn't saying anything. I was just sharing a piece of information." Um, but well, you, you know, you went, you went all, you went all in the know on me, didn't you? You're like, "Yeah, I've got, I've got this information." <laughs> yeah, but I didn't, I didn't. All right, so I just want to be absolutely I mean, clear that you, you should join the Manchester Even News and like live blog about it. That's what you should do, and then like. <laughs> Tweet snidey tweets at people or something like that. Isn't that what happens these days? I just want to be clear. That voice that you did then, that kind of intonation, you added that. <laughs> that was not the in- that was not the intonation in which it was delivered. Just that Yanazai's attitude has been widely questioned, and you can say, "Yep, it's down to the club to do something about that." But the club wasn't really under in the circumstances to do something, and that you could say is the club fault because in his four seasons since he came. Through, there's been four different managers, none of whom really, as you say, apart from Moyes, have been able to get a handle on him. And even Moyes didn't exactly, you know, he didn't uh, consistently flourish under his old mentor at Sunderland, did he? Um, so, you know, I think, I, I don't know, who knows where the blame lies. All I'm saying is there's pr- pretty reliably placed information that says that Yanazai's attitude behind the scenes has been really bad right from the beginning. So, yeah, that, that's it. I mean, three players in. Uh, Jose said he wanted four. I suspect if United really want to tilt the, the title, uh, there's there's uh, maybe more, you know, short of a left-back at the moment. Honestly, I'm sure maybe out for the rest of the year. Jose doesn't really believe in him anyway. Rocco's out for the rest of the year and Blint doesn't look very good at the moment. Uh, Damian plays there, but he's very, 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 very limited as a player. You know, kind of honest and did all right at the back end of last season, but very limited, especially in the attacking sense. So got a problem at left back um, and, you know, a wide attacking player would round out the squad, uh, I guess. It's funny that the, the fullback, I mean, we were briefly linked to Danny Rose. Oh, I feel like 
buying Tottenham are not in a position to sell any more fullbacks and we've seen the price they have to go for if they do. Neymar is of course worth four Kyle Walkers in today's market. Um the the a lot of series links though made with Serge Aurier. Uh <laughs> honestly like interesting that would be yeah that, that is not a comfortable one for me like I, I wouldn't want to I haven't done like detailed research into it but some of the stuff that he said in the past seems really like uh, problematic with a capital P right so that, that one would be a bit messy and and you know there are there are big problems about a work permit due to uh, potential felony charges although the trial hasn't been held yet so we'll see what happens there Hmm. Yeah, it seems like that one is being pushed by an agent who wants him out. Uh, I would suggest. On verra, as they say in France. Um, so, do, do we need to talk about the Super Cup in detail? It's a bit disappointing. Played very defensive football, as we talked about. Um, well, mm-hmm. I thought we were, we were I, I quite mean, bang up for it in the first 10 minutes, like high press, all the malarkey. Reminding me of the first 10 minutes of the 2011 Champions League final. Oh, no, don't say it. it. Did, don't though. say it. But then, unfortunately, the subsequent... Uh, 30 minutes really reminded me of that Champions League final too. Madrid just looked absolutely yeah. like liquid football. A, 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 a class above. A class, I mean, they were, they were so much better than us. And and I guess the disappointing thing is that our response was basically to go a bit agricultural. But, you know, it was what it was. We won't see that too often this season. It wasn't pretty. It did actually create a few chances. I mean, think about the the chance that Lukaku missed. Uh, I mean, he blazed it over. He wasn't offside. Um, uh Chance, great chance for Marcus Rashford as well. Um, could have got something out of this game. Wouldn't have deserved it. Uh, completely outclassed. And I think that just kind of shows you the the gap that United have to bridge. I do wonder whether, if you think about the signings he's made, I mean, Lindelof is nice on the ball, but, you know, he's a, he's a big, strong player. Matic, physical. Lukaku, physical. United actually had quite a big team now. Had a big team anyway. Not, uh, not quite. Like, it's land of the giants. United are absolutely gargantuan team yeah. now, which is kind of nice, really. Like, we've been little tiddly-toddly for too long. And right, and, and some big lads. I hope, I hope we use the big lads to bully some teams rather than, like, just passively playing defensive football against Bournemouth at home or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it feels like it's a team built for English football. Not necessarily the Champions League. I I wouldn't be that surprised if this United side, depending on the draw in the group, struggles to get out of the group um, or goes out early in the second round. I'm 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 not sure that it's um it's a team that's really going to uh, challenge with the top European teams. But it's probably not the priority. It's important to be in the tournament, and it's important to make progress. Um, but surely your real benchmark is against your peers uh, and a proper challenge for the title is what's really needed I'm just I wonder whether we're a couple of players short or a mentality shift short of really making a go at the the title this season yeah and we'll we'll talk about that in in some depth and he definitely you know there was there were were big positives about that game as well as all the kind of negatives I think and one of them was the the spirit shown was uh, really nice and quite heartening and quite different to United of recent eras and sort of in line with a team that's won three cup tournaments in the last two seasons you know there is a sense that this is a team that can kind of give anyone a game even when their backs are against the wall sort of thing so uh, that's a bit of a positive I thought Matic was a big positive in that game I thought the fact that Madrid are clearly on a kind of different level means that you know there's no one in the Premier League anywhere near as good as the current Real Madrid side they're the first team ever to win the back-to-back Champions Leagues that's 
you know, an epochal achievement and people aren't really talking to me. Well, it's a, it's a branding achievement because uh, Bayern Munich and I yes, sure. might, might, might argue with that point. Both, both epochal teams as well. Like that's, you know, so winning two European Cups back to back was also a phenomenal achievement. So in that sense, I, I, I don't think there was much to be disheartened about. I thought, um, I said Rashford had a bad game afterwards but actually it was more like Rashford made three or four big errors but he also caused the fullback a lot of problems uh, Pogba who I thought had a terrible game was really interesting looking at the numbers like he did a lot of work defensively but he was definitely trying too hard attacking but my goodness people's reaction to Pogba is frightening to me like the amount of people convinced he's not that all that I just I can't wait for him to eat their words, you know, although I guess people don't anymore, do they? They just continually twist the facts to suit their argument until until they get elected president or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, I wonder whether we'll see the end of this season. You know, that big, <laughs> that big red button's looking awfully tempting. At Sev the Panda says, tips for surviving World War Three. hashtag Brandcast. Yeah. Uh, good. Don't, don't live anywhere in the blast radius of Pyongyang. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um... Uh, so, should we do some should we do some rank cast questions? Let's do it. Oh, I think this is. Let's start with a softball at Austin Reds. As with the incomings and outgoings at the club, do you think the squad is better or worse than last season? I think it's very clearly better, isn't it? There's, I mean, hardly any outgoings, and those were all fringe players um, and uh, some really well, good. I'm not, incomings. I'm not sure I'd call Zlatan a fringe player. Oh yeah, 28, okay. Twenty-eight um, goals. He's coming back anyway. He'll be back. Zlatan will be back. Like come Christmas. Christmas present for everyone. Zlatan's going to re-sign. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, before the Matic signing, I'd said we were marginally better, but um, that was a kind of hunch that uh, Lukaku would be a bit more dynamic and score the same amount of goals. Uh, Lindelof, unproven uh, so far. Matic will add quite a bit to the midfield. So we're a bit better, but, uh, you know, Chelsea and Manchester City have both improved. Arsenal, well, we'll see how Lacazette gets on. He was like everyone's second choice, wasn't he, in the transfer market this summer and Arsenal spunked £52 million on him. Well, well, you know, I'm not sure League One to the Premier League always translates. 52, for- 52 million isn't a lot of money. <laughs> just, just to be clear, like I think I, I feel like it's really important to set that in context. Like, oh, so they spent slightly more than them and Nemanja Matic, a 29-year-old Nemanja Matic, on a player that scored like a ton of goals. Obviously, it's it's a risk that he won't be good here, but still, it's 52 million. You can't go, oh, 52 million, like that means anything. It's uh, so they spent 25 million less than we spent on Lukaku for him. You know. It's, it's all changed, yes. isn't it? Uh, narrative around him will be be very Arsenal, I suspect. You know, he'll be the greatest of all time in August and September. Still in October, be mm, be disappointing in December. It'll be you know, this guy's rubbish, fam. By <laughs> February, won't he? And Arsenal season will have disappeared along with Lacazette's form. <laughs> we shall certainly see. Um, Ali, who was at the uh, meetup at. AF Bukhari 1984 says, am I the only one surprised how young Ed actually is? He sounds a lot older on a podcast. Also, is his job really a cover for government work? We're not allowed to tell you the answer to the second one. Um, I feel like... Yeah, they call it tradecraft, don't they? <laughs> I feel like you're just about the right age, Ed. That's what I feel. I, f- I feel like if you listen to a lot of rankcasts, you could probably guess our ages almost to the number based on the number of times we talk about Eric Cantona. 
Yes, and or 80s football, but not much about the 70s, so there you go. (laughs) Across the Keeper, Steve Williams says, is each new generation of fans the most nauseatingly reactionary in history? Yes or yes? Okay. Yeah, but I guess so. I mean, you know, we've got a great big echo chamber, haven't we, yeah, uh, in the interweb yeah. uh, these days? Uh, which is a big problem. Uh, does De Gea's physique make him the perfect candidate to become the first man since Lopez Zubero to win an Olympic swimming gold for Spain? Asks at Team Ultimate Football. Listen, we've got to keep him focused, Tom, on goalkeeping for Man United because, like, it was every time he made a brilliant save against Madrid, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm glad they didn't score, but did you really have to look so good? good doing that would you be allowed to use goalkeeping gloves in the pool <laughs> especially those, those old ones now banned uh, that yeah. had a webbing <laughs> that would help right surely um uh at jamie underscore russell says is a hot dog a sandwich new season new serious topics being discussed yeah i guess it is i mean if a sandwich is defined as something in between two pieces of bread it's not It's not in between two pieces of bread, though, is it? It's in between one piece of bread with a slice down it. Ooh, controversial. So the hinge discounts it from being a sandwich? I feel like um, the question is... a. This is like a... Um, this is fundamentally a philosophical question because it's whether you're, it's whether you're like, uh, there's probably words for this in, in philosophy, but it's like whether you're a kind of functionalist or a literalist, because I, I feel like in a literal sense, a hot dog is a sandwich, but in the the kind of popular context of the word sandwich, that's not a helpful way to describe a hot dog. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you look on a lot of American menus, they, they call all the burgers sandwiches as well. Yeah, right. I'm not sure I'm down with that. Racist. Uh, <laughs> at Ryan Chivashanka, at Ryan underscore MS28, fittingly, says, how would you describe the rank cast to a person listening for the first time? Um, it's I a just... podcast about Manchester United. Yeah, with a staunchly anti-Wayne Rooney agenda. Slash. <laughs> slash new. Secret, secret, secret new agenda. <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> I'm just keeping my options open, you know that. I'm laughing at the next question. Another person that was at the meetup at that mash guy says, exactly what is Jose Mourinho's problem? <laughs> it's too early in the season for that. I'm still like, I'm still prepared to be thoroughly positive about Jose Mourinho at the beginning of the season because I think he, he might just turn out that he's on the verge of uh, having a pretty good campaign. We'll see. Well, see, he does look like he's an angry man, though. So I think he's got some problems, but I, I suspect they are deep-seated and fairly nuanced. Yes, I think he might be right. Uh, he turned up at one of the games, just just a brilliant shot of him. He was obviously jet-lagged, uh, but he had these big bags under his eyes. He was kind of bright red and he hadn't shaved. He looked like a, a wino had fallen asleep in the park, you know, <laughs> on the hottest day of the year and then turned up to manage Manchester United. I hope he just, I hope he looks really sharp for the first day of the season, I hope he comes out in like proper Paul Smith suit situation, you know. Well, I, I thought he might do that in the Super Cup because Zidane always wears a suit and uh, he, he turned up in a trackie. And... No, but that's that's good because it's just the fancy charity shield, isn't it, the Super Cup? So Yeah, it's not though. And 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 it was a little tight around the uh, the old upper torso area and I could swear there was the, the beginnings of boobage there, you know, like he's got some moobs. Listen, let's not start 
slagging off our manager's physical appearance before the season's even started. Where do we go from here if we if we destroy Mourinho day one? So talking of the, the season ahead, I guess we should, in the time on and tradition, make some absolutely terrible predictions. And I um, over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk to uh, people, um, football writers and fans uh, of all the top six clubs, apart from us, the other the other five top six clubs, just to have a conversation about what they think their season is going to be like. So we'll we'll um, sprinkle those into the rank cast over the next few weeks. Um, I've said it now, so I have to do it. That's why I said it out loud. Um, and but 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 I'd be interested to know Ed what you think of the kind of the top six in general. So I, I guess should, should we start in reverse order? Who's who's getting relegated this? Huddersfield. Um, I mean, we'll see about Brighton, Newcastle. I, I mean, Newcastle. You'd, the the squad's decent. It's not super deep, and I, and I guess Ashley's not going to spend loads of money. But uh, I wonder whether they're just about good enough. Brighton. Um, I mean, Brighton are a very good Championship side. You know, I guess uh, it's uh, it's a bit of Route One analysis to say could they do a Bournemouth and and actually do all right because they play good football, score a lot of goals. So I think they might be all right. Um, who else? Swansea. Yeah, that's the big one, isn't it? They're, they're not. They're not looking great, so yeah, maybe Huddersfield, Swansea, and one other. You have to say who that one other is, though. That's the nature of predictions. Can we have Sunderland again? Can we just say Sunderland are going down again? Uh, they were so bad last year, they could be relegated twice, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think I'm going to go for... I'll give you a bit of thinking time. Yeah, I mean, Huddersfield, they seem to have signed, if not well, then at least kind of optimistically. They've definitely got some interesting signings. Um, but they finished fifth in the championship and their final of the uh, the playoff was absolutely terrible. So they kind of spawned their way into the league, really. Um, it would be a huge ask for them to turn that around, uh, especially since they've not like spent the requisite hundreds of millions that it would take. Um, I think... I think it's all, it, yeah, Brighton were a good championship side, but they're so unproven. I feel like I'm going to go with Brighton, Swansea, Huddersfield. Yeah, I mean, I I might. I wonder whether, I mean, Burnley had just sold Andre Gray. He was a good player. Actually, that's and I wonder big. whether that might affect yeah. them. I, I mean, I might. Michael I might, Keane yeah, too. Yeah, Michael Keane, of course, yeah, to Everton. Um, I might have said Watford. Um but they've, um, you know, they've done all right in the market. They they got Chaloba from Chelsea, who's a good, a very good youth player, very very good youth player. Um, Andrew Gray now uh, just bought a Brazilian under twenty player for eleven million, which of course you know is nothing, I guess. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Um, change the manager again though, Watford. Yeah, but to it's a, like changing the manager is can be a very good thing and when you go from Matarazzi to Silva it's hard not to see that as an upgrade yeah. right yeah and yeah of course did very well at Hull so yeah I mean it'll, it'll be tight down there but yeah maybe you're right we will we will uh, so League Cup could be anyone right Man, Man United yeah I hope not well I hope so I do hope you know obviously I want United to win everything but um, having long runs in domestic cup, cup competitions uh, seem to impact not only uh, the ability of United's squad to perform in every game at the end of, 
last season, but also Mourinho's thinking in a kind of weirdly negative way. So I wonder whether it'd actually be much of a bonus to have a long run in some of these competitions. No, I think we're going to win the League Cup and do nothing in the FA Cup, and that's fine. And the and really, the domestic cups weren't the problem last season, were they? It, it was FC Rostov away on a Thursday night was the problem last season. Um, Thank God we're not going to be in that anymore. Yes. Uh, so yeah, United for that. The FA Cup. You know what? I'm going to give it to Spurs, partly because, listen, the truth is I would just quite like to see this Spurs team win something and I definitely don't want it to be the league. Uh, Isn't that the only thing that Arsenal ever win? Yeah, it is. But were they going to win? Are Arsenal really going to win it for the fourth time in five years or whatever? That's... I said, but I don't know. It's the only thing that's saving Wenger from uh, the exit, isn't it? <laughs> well, he signed a two-year contract, so I think he's probably going to be able to see that out whether he wins the FA Cup or not this season, right? That's... Yeah. No, I no idea. Yeah. Pick one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Chelsea. All right. So you've said Chelsea. I've gone for Spurs, uh, and then the Champions League. I mean, you know, what? I'm going to. I'm going to say. I, I mean, it's really. It's hard to see past. Uh, for me, sorry, oh, no. I interrupted. It's hard to see past Real, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly. Well, I'm, I'm real glad you interrupted for that, Ed. Cheers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Alanis is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to see past them and say that the Neymar thing, like, nah. Neymar, PSG keep being knocked out of the Champions League by Neymar, so now they've bought him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it PSG. I'm, I'm just not even sure their team's that good. Oh, what do I, it'd be interesting to see what actually happens with Neymar tactically, right? Because he wants to be the focal point, apparently. It's not just the 50 million euros a year he's getting paid, tax-free or whatever. Um, uh, it, he, he wants to be the focal point of the team. Is he really going to play left wing for Cavani uh, through the centre? He's got a bag full of goals in League One last year. Good question. We will, we will see what happens. So who are you going for out of the big three then? Uh, hmm... Yeah, how, um, maybe it's Bayern Munich's year. Let's say Bayern Munich this year. I'm going to go with PSG, even though it's stupid too. I feel like if I had to pick one of the big three, I would go for the three-peat. We can't see Barcelona doing it, right? Because really, we say Barcelona almost out of habit and, and because Messi's there. But having lost Neymar and with their midfield in the kind of slightly shambolic state it's in, it all depends on what they do in the next few weeks in the transfer market, I think. Yeah, really key. And uh, everyone knows it as well. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah. just replacing Neymar, but yeah, they've got some some work to do in an evolving midfield, um, and it's going to cost them a lot of money. And everyone knows that. Yeah, it's so mean, isn't it? PSG like have absolutely wrecked Barcelona because not only have they bought their second best player, they've given them money that's useless. It's useless money because now they they go to Liverpool and go, uh, 90 million for Coutinho? And then <laughs> Liverpool are like, all right, yeah, 90 million. Pull the other one, it's got bells on. I know we know how much money there is in your pocket. Give it all of us. Give it all, all to us. Anyway. Uh, have you seen the story that's been doing the rounds today that Ed, Andy Mitten wrote on ESPN about how... Um, Man United didn't sign Esco, Isco because his head was too big for his body. <laughs> I haven't, no. It's like um, Jordan Henderson's gate all over again. Wow. Um, and the Mitten writes, the players watched several times before the report that was filed back that he wasn't good enough to be considered for a move to Manchester United. This is 
well, while Fergie's still there. He's good, but not quite kick quick enough, and his head is too big for his body, was the verdict on the then 21-year-old playmaker. Was this an analogy, yeah. or was it actual a physical <laughs> description? I think they li- literally meant his head was too big for his body. Um, that was not a good decision. Um, the, uh, the top six, then, in order from six on up, uh, I think I'm going to go Arsenal... Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, City, Man United! (laughs) Glory, glory, Man United! Oh, dear. I'm only only partly joking as well. Can can we talk about who are the best centre-backs in the world as well? uh, Johnny Evans in there? No, I, I mean, yeah. Well, um, Arsenal, I don't think they've improved much. Uh, so, yeah, let's call them sixth. Liverpool, fifth. Because um, of because of Champions League football. Champions League football, Lallana's injured. Coutinho will eventually go when he or he's so destabilised it'll be hard for him to have a good season. Um, yeah, I wonder whether, you know, Klopp's been found out a bit. Or he always was a bit, you know, average. Uh, <laughs> top. Top four. I'm going to say Spurs, United, Chelsea, City. Okay, so you back Chelsea to cope with having been champions, even though last time it nearly murdered each and every one of their individual talents. And yeah, no, but I think Mourinho did that. I think they'll 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 come second. They actually haven't done the business that um, Conte wanted. I, we'll see whether Morata's really as good as his fanboys think he is. I'm not sure that he is. Um, and obviously they've got a problem with Costa. And City have just... They've got a very, very well-balanced squad that looks more like a Pep squad. Um, they always had loads of talent there. Defensively, they were not great last season, but he's bought 47 fullbacks. My hope... So he's got to do something. My hope with City is that Pep uh, just doesn't get it right quickly. That's that's my hope. It's, this, is, this is pure pre-season optimism predicting United to win the league because... The, the truth is, I think there is an absolutely reasonable case to be made for Tottenham, Chelsea, City, United, probably not Liverpool because their summer business has been too bad. But any of those four teams, I think you could make a solid argument for them to win the league this season. Um, and but Because all of them have kind of foibles and weaknesses. Because, yeah, it's easy to go, OK, Pep seems to have addressed the issues. But like you say, they've spent a huge amount of money on fullbacks, which is a vital position in Guardiola's system. But the kind of fullbacks they've bought would suggest that he is going to try and implement a slightly different style of football, a kind of Premier League adaptation of Pep ball, right? Kyle Walker isn't going to play inverted fullback, is he? He's going to be bombing on... Yeah. Occupying the whole wing, doing the kind of Danny Alves bit. So, but not as good, obviously. But we'll, uh, I, I, I don't think it's absolutely nailed on that City are going to be brilliant this season, even if it does seem pretty likely. No, I mean, you can make that argument, yeah. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, the uh, percentages on this one and say that they're <laughs> probably going to be pretty good. I, you know, I think, I, I suspect it'll be another tight one. Um, I don't think United got enough. Um, and I, I, actually, in a way, I feel like I'm being optimistic by saying third. Because um, that's... that's, that's that, <laughs> sorry, it's because... How far we done fell. Yeah. How far we done fell. But the thing is, I am in that, I'm predicting that Tottenham done fell a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah And I know yeah. they haven't signed anyone, but they've, you know, they, they may be impacted more by Trippier's injury than Kyle Walker's 
going, you know, because Trippier is a good player and actually offers a lot going forward, delivers a very good ball. Uh, so we'll see how long he's out for. But, um, you know, I, I they, they're not going to regress. They're a good team. They play very good football, score lots of goals. The one thing you'd question is whether they can maintain that fantastic home record, irrespective At of Wembley. where they're playing. I don't know whether Wembley really makes a difference or not. I mean, I know it did to their Champions I mean, League. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how you could think that it wouldn't because it's a completely different kind of place to play football than White Hart Lane, which is, which was so... White Hart Lane was so specific, you know, the, 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 and Wembley is so generic and and like un White Hart Lane like I don't know yeah I mean you know White Hart Lane's a small ground and a total dump yeah <laughs> which is why they're they're moving but, so. but the crowd are right on top of the pitch and you know they make a loads and loads and loads of noise in there in a way that it's kind of hard to do at Wembley so everything kind of echoes out at Wembley doesn't it so yeah it's a, a horrible soulless corporate stadium as so many of the new ones are um I, yeah I don't know you can you can make a case but uh yeah they're still a very good team they're keeping like Wembley's the thing keeping Spurs players out of my fantasy league team that's the the truth here um, I keep nearly putting them in and then going oh yeah but Wembley yeah, and that's that stops me pulling the trigger that's why I've got them finishing third I think my, my logic such as it is is Liverpool, I mean, if they if they buy another two really good players, then that changes. But so far, then they're not there, right? Squad-wise, haven't addressed their key issues. Big deal. Got Champions League. Klopp works everyone really hard. They looked exhausted even without the Champions League last season. Chelsea have got to readapt to Europe. I don't feel like they've bought that well, which, which might prove to be a very silly thing to say, but it does seem like that from the outside looking in. Arsenal, I feel like, are just a non-contender unless Lacazette absolutely catches fire. But if you look at the amount of his goals, which are penalties, it wouldn't look like he's a kind of absolute game-changer of a striker, would it? Um, and then and then Spurs are at Wembley, City, who knows? And Mourinho has never, ever not won the league in his second season at a club since he went to Porto. So that doesn't mean he's going to do it again, but he has done it. He had a better team at Porto than all the others. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, I, look, I hear what you're saying. You can make a very optimistic case. Yeah, I just, I, it's possible to to massage that one, yeah. I'm not not sure it's entirely realistic. But uh, what, do the, what do the odds say? So Man City, favourites, Chelsea second favourites. United and Chelsea kind of are the, about the same money you can get. Um, and then Spurs, then Arsenal, then Liverpool. That's to to win the league. So the the bookmakers have City as quite substantial favourites, and then Chelsea and United as as pretty much equal. Uh, United just slightly further out in with some bookmakers. But there's but there's a lot more disagreement among the bookmakers about United, which kind of makes sense given given we've got a lot of questions left to answer. But uh, they clearly don't think anyone else. Gonna do, do you think there's any chance that any of those drop out of the top six? Mm, who's going to challenge? I mean, uh, Everton have spent a lot of money this summer. Um, I mean, uh, if Wayne Rooney catches fire... <laughs> <laughs> yep, 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 yep. That was an evil laugh. You and your agenda. <laughs> I'm making a case for Wazza to... No, <laughs> no. I mean, look, they've they've uh, they spent some good money. I think. I mean, I think Michael Keane's a very good signing for them. I'm not sure yeah. he'd have been a great signing for United. Um, are so, we are we, we going to hear a lot about it every time he has a good game? Aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. We certainly are. Um, or uh, Lindelof Shanks one. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they could well break into the top six. Not sure about top four. Um, so we shall see. We shall see what happens. I mean, as you say they could well break into the top six, but I think it's a... I think it's still a big ask for anyone because it just doesn't look like obvious to me that any of those top six teams will fall out of the top six this season. But the last few seasons have definitely proved football to be indeed a funny old game. Um, So, yeah, I hope that that swings ridiculously in favour of Man United. Uh, Talking of uh, the fact that Man United need goals and players who we didn't sign who are going to be used as a stick to beat us with... Uh, Javier Hernandez is coming to town Uh, Cheech is coming home Uh, I wonder whether we'll get the same level of cheers for him as uh, Ronaldo got from Man United a friend of the show Roberto Martinez not that one um, tweeted during the Super Cup that (laughs) Fellaini and Ronaldo two subs that for different reasons uh, both sets of opposition fans are happier to see than their own fans (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, Cheech is coming home. Will the Hammers cause United problems? Joe Hart will be up for this one, won't he? Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it wasn't really a problem position for West Ham, really, goalkeeping. It might be now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, that one will never get old. Um, Look, uh, you know, they they struggled a bit, West Ham did last season. Uh, They, you know, after having such a good season... The one before, um, obviously they had problems with the move to their new yes, stadium. They, and they did struggle when they moved from an intimate London ground where lots of fans make a lot of noise very close to the pitch to a big soulless bowl. Hmm, mm, that did yeah. cause some problems. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to see Tottenham fans fighting each other <laughs> in the stands at, at Wembley. To be honest, so you know what have they done over the summer? Um, they um, they sold uh, Ashley Fletcher which was interesting, wasn't it? You know, the former United youth teammate didn't play a lot at West Ham. They signed Arnautovic for 20 million-ish. He'll be a good signing. I'm surprised Stoke let him go. I think he's a good player. Yeah, a very good player. Stoke have replaced Um, him with Darren Fletcher in the summer's weirdest transfer. Yeah, yeah. Moving up in the world, Darren. Uh, Hernandez will score goals, I'm sure. You know, if they provide him chances, he's he did well in Germany. Although last uh, season didn't score that many. Like, no. he scored a lot, a lot fewer last season than the season in, before. In not a great team, to no. be fair. Well, it's gone to West Ham, who are also not a great team. Um, they what did they? They sold Valencia. Ally didn't never really made it at um at uh, at West Ham, did he? Um. And you know, so they've they've done some decent business, um, but I wouldn't expect them to do any better than sort of mid table. No. And how would you expect them to do at Old Trafford? What system is Jose going to play? Always so exciting. Yeah, not going to play three at the back at home. Surely not. You know, Surely just not. given our previous conversation about how he uses it. So yeah. uh, I think it will be something that looks more like a four three three ish. Um, with Herrera, Pogba and Matic in the central midfield. And I think most of the team picks itself, doesn't it? You know, the left-back's the question. I guess Darmian's the man with the shirt at the moment. Um, who is it? Is it is it Smalling and Bailly? Is it Jones and Bailly? Um, it's not going to be Bailly and Lindelof, is it? Because they've never played together. Uh, <laughs> well, let's see if he unleashes it on, uh, on Cheech. Uh, Valencia right back, the three in midfield. And then up front's an interesting one, you know, so... How do you keep Marcus Rashford out of this side? I mean, you know, the, okay, he didn't do great from left wing back, which is where he was asked to play against Real Madrid. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he's explosive, isn't he? 
Uh, Martial wasn't used at all, but had a good summer. He had a really good summer. Mkhitaryan looks like he's a player that's about to have a good season, but he's much better at 10 than anywhere else. And if and if we think United are going to play in this sort of 4-3-3 system um, with Pogba pushing forward and Herrera and, and Matic a bit deeper, then I don't think Mkhitaryan can play there. So a few questions. So we've... We see Mkhitaryan on the right, or maybe we see Juan Mata on the right. Would you like to see that, Ed? Um, I hate the guy. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I always like to see Juan Mata. Always yeah. like to see Juan Mata. Yeah. That agenda lasted, that you didn't hold that down, like 15 seconds that agenda lasted there. <laughs> there was no agenda. <laughs> <laughs> there was no agenda against Rooney. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the, yeah, I mean, I... I I, I, I'm going to have to take my... I've got a special room at Rancast Towers uh, with all my, you know, pieces of Rooney hate on them. I'm going to have to take that down now, aren't I? Like some serial killer. Um, before the show finishes, uh just want to say thanks to everybody who's been backing us. We're, we're going to keep the Patreon going. I'm so sorry. I'm really behind with merch. This is as soon as I've got an injured foot at the moment. As soon as this foot is healed, I will be pounding the streets, getting stuff to post offices. Um, this is my bad, a hundred percent on me. So um, yeah, I, I must apologise. Um, otherwise, like hopefully you enjoyed the content over the summer. That was definitely brought to you by the, the Patreon backers. Um, Patreon.com/slash/rankcast if you want to get involved over there. Uh, are we are we doing new merch? Are there any changes to the rules this season? Not, on not so Patreon? not so far. Might do something new at Christmas time. See see what people want. Might even might even try and do some just straight up for sale rank cast merch at some point. Oh, at some point, but oh. no promises. Oh. No promises. Oh. oh, I thought the rank cast uh, mugs were only for very special people, oh, which is they, why you didn't send me one are, for ages. I sent you one. Oh, for ages. I didn't send anyone one for ages, Ed. I'm very bad at admin. Um, no, the Rankcast Patreon backers mugs up will be exclusive for life. This will be alternative merchandise, potentially. Um, but I don't know what's what's going to happen on that. This is just me thinking out loud on the podcast. It's not the right place to do it. The other thing I want to do is um, plug something completely outside of the world football of, of football. My dad has a play on Radio 4 this uh, Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, I think. Um, it's called Portrait of a Gentleman. It's about Henry James's time in Venice. You will hear in this that my dad does not share my cheery disposition on life <laughs> and is a fan of the more tragic aspects of human existence. So Sounds a bit... Eyebrow, Paul. It is, it is. Um, but, you know, my, it's my old man, isn't it? You, you know my old man. The man is highbrow. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's on Radio 4 at 2 o'clock. I feel like, I Very good. I feel like you've got to do that and you've got, you got to plug your son, your dad's play when you have a podcast. Um, yeah, so, uh, Ed, do you have a good summer? Yeah, pretty good. Um, uh, I mean, mainly I've been working. I, I've actually been off this week, uh, not doing much, just kind of hanging out with the... Uh, with the kids, and little ones, trying to indoctrinate them into the world of football. It's not working well, because, hey, I'm going, I'm going wrong somewhere. They're still, they're just still very young. They're still very young. I'm off to the US for a month um, next week. Lots of Rankcast listeners in the US complaining that oh, we didn't have a meet up there. So if you... Uh... Well, I did an unofficial one, so I, I will find some games. I'm going to be on the West Coast, which always makes it awkward for games, but some uh, some breakfast drinking will be had in, in Seattle, LA, 
Uh, or San Francisco, or maybe all three. Nice. Uh, the other thing is, people, loads of people in Dublin keep saying they want to have a meet up there, but it's a long way. Um, but we, you know, who knows what the future holds? Um, anyway, uh, one thing's for sure: the future will hold lots. I like Dublin. We could, we could do a, you know, we could do a meet up there with the nine pound pints of Guinness. Euro pints of Guinness. Uh, someone, I, someone asked, sent a rank ask question saying that they thought that Ed was probably a Guinness man. I, I think that's probably fair, isn't it, Ed? Yeah. Does that mean something other than I drink Guinness? No, no, no. That's what ah. it means. It means that you you would be a man who would like a pint of Guinness. Um, right, so that's enough rambling at the end of the show. Uh, one thing we can predict for the future is that there'll definitely be a rant cast um, pretty much every week throughout the season. We'll do our very best to get them out uh, in prompt fashion, but as, as always, we we come up against logistics when we do, but we, we never stop trying, and we never stop trying to get this podcast to you um, as soon as we possibly can. But one thing that we can't predict with any accuracy is the score of future results, but that never has stopped us trying, and it's never going to. Uh, I'm going Man United 3, West Ham 1, for the start of the season. Oh, oh, got a bit negative there, Paul. <laughs> I, I'm going for 3 0. 3 0, solid victory. I wasn't really being negative because I just would quite like Chicharito to get a consolation goal at 3 1 up, that's all. Oh, you soft, <laughs> soft. <laughs> yeah. No, I, mean, I think Lukaku's score, he's, he's got his first competitive goal. He's, he's looking pretty sharp to me. And uh, yeah, the hammer Matic to bang one into, why not? Well, because he scores an average of about 1.5 goals a season. So if we Really should score more with that, that hammer of a left foot he's <laughs> yeah, got. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Just gets a nosebleed when he's anywhere near like 40 yards from goal. Um, backers, stay tuned. Everyone else, we'll see you next week. See you next week.